Hello everyone, Cecil Martin here. Hey, this is Hunter Henry. What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation. Hey, this is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, this is Jerry Judah, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, and you're listening to the 14-Yard NFL Podcast. What a weekend. Hello and welcome back to the Full 10 Yards and Effort podcast. I'm your host, Sam Moores. And Super Wildcard Weekend really certainly didn't fail to deliver. Uh, and joining me to break it all down is a new guest. He's a radio presenter for Absolute Radio and TalkSport and is known for his TikTok channel, where he talks all things NFL. I'm, of course, talking about the one and only Jay Lawrence. Welcome to the pod, Jay. <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Lovely to be here. That's all right. And yeah, we, I mean, what, what a weekend it was. it was. Certainly loads of drama and loads of upsets, which is what you want in the playoffs really, isn't it? Yeah, I like the fact that this is you, you invite me in after, you know, probably the most fun weekend uh, of the season so far. So it feels like you've been waiting for the opportune moment. So I appreciate <laughs> that. I mean, yeah, it's been a ridiculous weekend of, um, you know, some upsets, some absolute blowouts. Um, and I, I mean, that's probably about it, to be honest with you, because that's how it's sort of gone, hasn't it? It's either been a bit of a surprise, uh, which has ended up being a blowout or, or quite the opposite. I mean, you know, even just looking at, you know, last night with the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Philadelphia Eagles, I mean, I don't even know what a surprise in that game is. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's like both, 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 any result could have been a surprise in that game. But yeah, an incredible weekend. Absolutely. And there's only one place to start. And we'll start in Houston, where the Texans scored six touchdowns on their way to blow out the Browns to kick off the playoffs. Uh, the Browns defense, which before the day was the league's number one defense, came into this one um, on the best form you can you can come into it. They, they literally just allowed no points basically down the stretch. Um, but they failed to stop CJ Stroud and company. Uh, they had no sacks, nothing for the uh, defensive player of the year favorite, Miles Garrett. And they allowed the Texans to rack up 356 yards in just 44 plays. Um, it was a close game in the first first half it was a bit of a shootout in fact uh, and the Browns had a 14-10 lead but Houston then scored 14 points uh, before the half uh, and Stroud found his tight ends Brevin Jordan and Dalton Schultz with 76 and 37 yard touchdowns and then, on, and then after that the Browns could uh, scoreless in the second half when uh, Houston scored 21 points uh, making it 35 unanswered points to go and win the game after the Browns took the lead and part of that was the fact that Joe Flacco threw two pick sixes in two minutes, which is a big, uh, that's, yeah. that's two touchdowns straight away. Uh, one to the cornerback, Stephen Nelson, the other to the linebacker, Christian Harris out of Alabama, three players apart, and that gave Houston a three-score lead. And then a Devin Singletary 19-yard rushing touchdown finished the game off at the start of the fourth for Houston, who brought in Davis Mills shortly after. I mean, the fact that they brought in Davis Mills sort of shows how one-sided this was in the yeah. second half. But um, what were your thoughts on this game, Jay? I mean, I think you, you summed it up well in the first the first half. I thought this was going to be, you know, the, the game of the year. Do you know what I mean? Because it, mm. it, it was literally just back and forth. Two quarterbacks who, you know, c- could not be further apart in terms of, you know, the stage of their career. CJ Stroud, rookie, who sort of lit it up this year. Uh, and Joe Flacco, who, I mean, who has as well to an extent, you know, coming in for like, you know, mm. the, latter, the latter half of the campaign for the Browns. Um, but also, uh, you know, two, two, Two quarterbacks, that, and this is the way that I sort of have been pitching it really, is that no matter what happened in that game, it would have been a good story. If the Browns had got through, then that's great. Joe Flacco's got through. And if the Texans have got through, it's like, wow, you know, they, they won, was it three games last season? You know, the third new head coach out in three seasons, brand new quarterback, an incredible story. And in the first half, it looked like it was pretty even going, to be honest with you. But yeah, I mean, 
the the Browns' defense played, uh, let's just say, differently to how they have for the majority of the campaign. But more than that, you're right. It's the it's the two pick sixes, and and it's sort of, you know, if we're talking from a um, uh, a neutral standpoint, it destroyed the game a little bit because mm. you know we were at that point experiencing back and forth, back and forth. You know, who was going to win this? And two pick sixes in the space of I don't know what it was like three minutes or something like that. Then that is. Um, it destroys the game because the Texans from then on, uh, it was it was just it was comfortable. And I feel for Joe Flacco to an extent because you always love a comeback story. And I mean, obviously, he's had such a storied career in the NFL anyway, uh, when, he, you know, with the Ravens, I mean, over a decade ago, winning that Super Bowl. But, you know, at the same time, this is now it feels like especially if the Texans manage to get one more win, it feels like this might become CJ Stroud's league. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Oh, absolutely. And we'll start with him. He was well, he was nearly perfect. He had a 157.2 passer rating, which is 1.1 off the perfect passer rating. Uh, 16 for 21 for 274 yards and three touchdowns. And I mean, with those stats, it sounds like it was effortless and it pretty much was effortless for him because it felt like he was hardly on the field. The Browns are just constantly on the field. Joe Flacco had 25 more pass attempts than CJ Stroud did, which I think pretty much shows how, you know, the, the, how this game panned out. And um and you know the the Browns had the ball for eleven more minutes of the football, but when the Texans were on the uh, field, they scored. Uh, and you know just what a season he's had. He, he as you mentioned, just looked absolutely excellent. He is in the perfect offense as well for a young quarterback. Mm. Um, because D'Amico Ryan's brought over Bobby Slowick, who was the passing game coordinator in San Francisco. So he's another one of Carl Shanahan's analytic gurus like Mark McDaniel uh, and you know it, this offense gets better every week um, it's no surprise that Slowick is getting head coach interviews as well uh, because the further Houston go on the more difficult it's going to be to keep hold of him isn't it because that you know he having that San Francisco offense with a young quarterback it's been a perfect combination hasn't it yeah and I think that you know for CJ Stroud as well he's coming to as you said just really a perfect situation and I mean it <laughs> It, uh, it is really tough to not draw comparisons to Bryce Young, of course, who came into a really uh, difficult situation with the Carolina Panthers. And, you know, that is, that's going to be spoken about for, for, for years and years to come. There's no doubt about that. But going into that perfect situation, it's a bit like um, uh, it, it's a bit like with Brock Purdy as well. Now, look, Brock Purdy has walked into and I, I, I am a Brock Purdy fan. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, <laughs> he's walked into a situation where uh, life is made as easy as possible for him you know, and that is great. And that's how it should be. You know, why not do that? And I feel like that's what's happened with CJ Stroud. The only difference being is that CJ Stroud, he airs it out. He airs it out consistently. And more often than not, it feels like he's, he's getting it exactly where he wants to be. And, and, you know, that happened in the, in the game with the Browns as well. He was not scared. You know, the first couple drives for both teams were a little bit, and this always happens as well, you know, you know, no matter what the sport is, really, when it comes to knockout competitions, sometimes it gets to, it's a bit cagey at the beginning. And it was, it was a bit cagey, the first couple of drives to both teams until CJ Stroud aired it out. And it's like, all right, now this is where we're going. This is, this is how it's going. <laughs> this is how the game is going to go. I, all I can, all I can do is praise CJ Stroud. I think all anyone can do is praise CJ Stroud, really. Um, and, and this, you know, I don't want to look too far forward I don't want to say next season season after anything like that because at the end of the day they're still in the playoffs no matter what happens in the next game this season is a success but it could be quite extraordinary oh absolutely they're certainly a team to watch in the future as for the Browns uh, injuries actually to be fair as well ended mm. up being a bit too much and they were one of the most injured teams in the league and for the first time in a while you could see that um, they were injured because you could tell that they were down to the backups of backups of offensive yeah. linemen because Flacco was getting you know he was getting rushed all over the place yeah. and that pressure got to Flacco as well um, 
you know, you mentioned their defense. I've mentioned their defense. It's been good all year, especially at cornerback and that safety. But they couldn't do with Nico Collins, who's just you know, as you mentioned, mm. he's the perfect receiver for the system with Cedar Stroud. Um, and Laramie Tunsil showed why he's the highest paid offensive lineman in the league for the Texans as well. Absolutely shutting down Miles Garrett, which is very, very difficult to do. Um, and it creates a tough one for the Browns now because you know, I'd probably say the Joe Flacco story is probably over now. Um, yeah. And it's an interesting situation next year for them because everyone will be back. You know, pound for pound, they're probably one of the best rosters in the league. Uh, Kevin Stefanski, who was on the, was on the hot um, seat going into this year, he's had a great year ahead coach, especially with all the injuries. Uh, the defence has got better with Jim Schwartz. But they've got everything with Deshaun hanging over them. You know, they gave up so much for him. No one likes him for doing that either. <laughs> and he wasn't great in the lineup. I don't know about you, Jay, but I'm just fascinated to see how, to see how they look next year because they should be so good, but the quarterback for them is going to be the problem. It's going to be the issue unless Deshaun Watson has a great season next year. You know, I've done um, like videos on this talking about um, Deshaun Watson and well, more specifically, you know, the Cleveland Browns and their situation. And I think a lot of Browns fans have sort of um, hit back a little bit when I've said, you know, would they consider trying to move on from Deshaun Watson? And, and you know, people, have, they've said when he was in the lineup, um, he, he'd improved drastically. And that's fine. I'm not even necessarily countering that particularly. I'm not saying Deshaun Watson this season was a really bad callback. He certainly improved from last season. There's no doubt mm. about that. But what I, I would say is that Joe Flacco starting for the Browns and in, and being better than Deshaun Watson, what what is what what does that say? You know, <laughs> what does that say really? And that isn't disrespectful to Joe Flacco, I don't think particularly, because I think he did a really good job. But you've just got somebody off of the street, granted a Super Bowl winner, but you know, somebody who's in his late thirties, you know, you've got somebody off the street who nobody wanted, who has performed well, and you have got this quarterback who not only has, has brought a lot of controversy to the franchise um he also cost a lot financially in pure money monetary terms cap terms but of course the draft assets as well and you know this conversation i'm sure has been had multiple times over the last you know couple of years or so but it's it, it kind of makes a point now i think deshaun watson is going to be there next year because i you know from what my understanding of contractually and, and oh, financially a lot there's of no yeah, there's no doubt that he, he he's going to be there next year. So that isn't really for me, because initially I was like, you know, could he be there? And then, you know, you think about it more and you're like, there's really no practical way that he's, he's not going to be there. But really, I think it it really just brings a bigger point of this guy doesn't need to just play well now, because we've just shown that we have got Joe Flacco, who again, as I'll repeat again, didn't have a job three months ago, you know, we have got him off of the street. He's performed well. He's brought the Browns up to the playoffs. You know, we need somebody that not only can play to Joe Flacco's level, but we expect them to be better than that. You know, especially for the you know the money and the draft assets and all of that. And I just I don't know if it's going to happen. To be honest mm. with you, it sort of it sort of felt like the past couple of seasons or so has been a real slow burn with Deshaun Watson. Obviously, there's been injuries and suspensions and blah blah blah, but. You know, is it one more season that they have to Sean Watson for, or maybe it's more? I need to, I need it's, to remember now. It's more, but I think there's more of an out after next year. Yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised to see if that happened, and it's going to go down. If if this is the case, and I'll stop rambling in a second, but if it is the <laughs> case that Deshaun Watson has another fine season, fine, not bad, not brilliant, you know, if he has another fine season, that would still make him go down as one of, if not the, well, maybe besides Russell Wilson, potentially, uh, the, beside the worst trade mm. in NFL history, or one of. 
purely because of the the contractual terms and the financial uh, the financial cost of it. So so yeah, I don't. I I think that there's no way that Deshaun Watson isn't going to be playing for the Cleveland Browns next year. It's just they should expect, and they sh- and they need fans should expect, um, because of what they've seen over the last few months with Joe, Joe Flacco, a vast improvement. Oh, absolutely. Um, otherwise, they're probably going to have to blow it up again. Uh, in true, well, which, which is massive, and that's mm. and you know, and, and for Kevin Stefanski as well, this is what he doesn't need and does not want because you no, know, because you just said yourself, he had a great season, so he had a great season. But he had that without Deshaun Watson, primarily. You know, primar- he did very well with the injuries. You know, he's been there for a few years. The expectation is going to be more than getting to a to a wild card round. Granted, it's with the Cleveland Browns, who haven't been successful for, for <laughs> a, well, full stop, really. But you know, the, the expectation should be that they are getting further in the playoffs than they are. Any 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 head coach should have that expectation when they've been there multiple years. So at the very you know what's what's a success next year with Deshaun Watson? What is a success? Is it getting to the same stage that there are now? Because it shouldn't be. Mm. Anyway, exactly. sorry, I seem to be exactly. getting very no, passionate I, about this case. You know, <laughs> I, I agree with you because their roster is so good. So, and uh, it would be it would be a shame after after all those first round picks they had years ago. Yeah, they, exactly. Yeah, they, and it just not be able to do yeah. anything with it really. Yeah. Anyway, especially we'll because move, because we'll they're on, playing yeah. Houston Texans as well. They're yeah, exactly. playing the team that they yeah. got to Sean Watson from. Anyway, that's it. I, I will not. I'll stop. For, I'll stop <laughs> rambling now. I'll stop getting passionate. No, but, about it. it just seems yeah. so infuriating. If I'm a Browns fan, mm-hmm. you're just looking at this whole situation, thinking, you know, what could have been. Now, obviously, I'm not saying that they would have even got C.J. Stroud, or even C.J. Stroud would have been as successful with the Browns as he has been with the Texans, because you just don't know. It's life, isn't it? But at the same time, you are thinking. What 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 happened? What have we what have we done? They've committed with Deshaun Watson, anyway. And and that what is the, my what final t- point? Yeah. <laughs> what the Texans have done as well is because they they've recovered from that horrible DeAndre Hopkins trade where they gave away their, their you know they gave away the best player. Yeah. They recovered from that and they're now one of the best teams in the league. And that's that's a great you know that's mm-hmm. how you build a team. Unlike the Browns who have sort of struggled with it a little bit. Anyway, we'll move away from that. We'll move up. We'll move on to. Uh, Kansas City, where the Chiefs absolutely dominated the Dolphins in the fourth coldest game of all time, uh, with the defence shutting down the Dolphins' number one offence in Tariq Hill's return to Arrowhead. Uh, the Chiefs led from literally start to finish as the Dolphins' offence froze in the temperatures that, due to the, the wind, felt like minus 30 degrees, according to NBC, which is, and that's Celsius as well, which is freezing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, that's expected in a game that literally saw Andy Reid's moustache freeze. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and uh, we saw both sidelines cut up cut up in ski gear as well so it was not the prettiest game of football at all uh, but the Chiefs put together probably one of their best performances of the season um, passing perhaps more than expected to uh, with Mahomes having plenty of time to operate against Miami's banged up defensive line that uh, was on its fifth and sixth starting pass rushes um, and that meant the only way that uh, the Dolphins could dial up any pressure and the anyway, only way that Vic Fangio could do that uh, was by sending really exotic blitzes from defensive backs and linebackers, leaving the likes of Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice completely wide open. Um, and that's how the Chiefs uh, won this game and found an offence. 201 yards between them, with Rice catching Mahomes as only passing TD, and Travis Kelsey having his best game in a while in front of Taylor Swift, who was judging by the clips going out. Yeah, obviously, it was absolutely viral on social media. She was really, really enjoying it. Um, just before we get on to the game, as someone who's got a platform sort of helping fans get into the sport and the community, do you think it's quite unfair the hate that Taylor Swift's getting? Because she's just enjoying her boyfriend watch the football and that, that's that's totally okay, you know? Yeah, I think it's not only is it totally okay, but I think it'd be weird if the uh, if the TV didn't uh, pay attention to Taylor Swift because, you know, objectively speaking, she is uh, probably the most 
the most famous person in the world like mm. you know or, or one of you know top five most famous people in the world and that is not you know any exaggeration because um if they didn't pay attention to her i think it would be strange and at the end of the day you know as you say like it, getting fans into the game if it does uh help get um, a particular audience into the game that might not be into the nfl beforehand then surely that's us only a good thing you know and there will be lots of people like any sport like any team those those people that are that think this is mine you know you know you're not a real fan and, and blah 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 well no i don't agree with that whatsoever what is a real fan anyway you know so this is i think an absolutely fine thing to happen and um she actually wore a great jacket as well mm-hmm. and honestly i know this is like a slight tangent to an extent but it was made by uh uh carl Juszczyk's wife kristen Juszczyk, mm-hmm. and that jacket objectively is fantastic and like uh, she has got a lot of um it was a it was a Kansas City Chiefs uh, jacket, but it had, um, because of the weather, there was so much insulation. It was completely oversized and it looked great. And I saw one comment, actually, that was so, so true. Um, you know, just just if you look at like NFL merchandise online or anything like that, and, and you've got like, you know, the jerseys, the T-shirts, whatever. And then the, the, the women's, generally speaking, the women's clothes are, you know, tight fitting and glitzy mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And it's like, and then this one comment, from a woman, obviously, said, um, you know, when th- when will the NFL sort of or sports sort of realise that, you know, not all that women don't really just want like tight fitting, glitzy T-shirts. And it's like, well, yeah, they want good, fashionable stuff that looks like that anyway. So I think it's all good. All of these things are just plus points, really, and to, to grow the sport, you know, not only in the US with Taylor Swift, but of course, it's going to be globally. She's that big of a star. Exactly, and as the NFL wants to expand internationally, she's a perfect person to help yeah. do that as well because exactly. everybody in the world knows who she yeah, is. Exactly. So, yeah. Travis Kelsey is uh, now like the most famous NFL player, and exactly. it, you know within the past twelve months or the four months, whatever, purely because of Taylor Swift. Exactly, and uh, and Carl Juszczyk's wife has gone viral as well because after mm. it, she's uh, she's made clothes uh, pretty much every single playoff game afterwards as well. Everyone, she made one for Taylor Lawton, she made uh, for the Detroit game, and, and everyone else as well. So, uh, so yeah, she's uh, she's she's certainly gone viral after it's after fair play to her. Anyway, back to the game. Um, as you expect with the the weather, it was pretty low scoring, and uh, Miami were actually in the game scoreline wise into the fourth quarter. It was a one score game, uh, but away from their Formula One. Uh, track you know really fast thin cut grass in Miami uh, they struggled on offense again and uh, they were a second quarter a 53 yard bomb to Tyreek Hill away from being shut out and uh, you know it was embarrassing uh, but again with the cold is you can understand it uh, but again Mike McDaniel and Tua couldn't come up with the goods when it mattered and that is a real problem for the Miami because when at home or they're playing a bad team their offense is quite literally unstoppable but once a good defense figures out what, what they want to do uh, once they pack the middle of the field and make it harder to pass on them and to run on them as well, they're not the same and they can't adjust from it. And down the stretch, well, they've had to play great teams in difficult environments, they've faltered. Um, some of it is play calling and some of it, I'm afraid to say, is Tua. Uh, I'm a big Tua fan, and mm-hmm. but they've got a very, very interesting scenario coming up because he's uh, playing on his fifth-year option next year. Uh, obviously, uh, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert have been paid. They're the two highest-paid quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, and uh, J- uh, Jane Hurts has been paid as well. He's not as... Um, been paid as much and Jordan Love has had a, a contract before this year which is a sort of go out and prove it deal and he's now going to get a big deal as well so you all, all the other callbacks in that draft class have been a success uh, and Tua has been a success in September to November he's an excellent quarterback uh, because you know but there's something about him with pressure on him on him in multiple mm-hmm. ways that just doesn't work 
Uh, you know, I mean, he's not solely to blame for Miami crumbling this year and last year before his concussion of, of a terrible injury luck. Um, but he's not the same QB under pressure from defenses, and when he needs to step up with the game on the line as well, in you know that sense and pressure, he's also unfortunately come unstuck, and his limitations have shown at some times. Um, Mike McDaniel's poor halftime adjustments don't help, uh, and his decisions on second and third and short are baffling. Um, you know why they don't use their bigger running back Jeff Wilson down the middle when it's third and short instead of you know they always they, I think they they've go out go five wide the most I've ever seen for a team on third and second and one is <laughs> uh, is sort of, I think McDaniel's probably just too smart for his own good which is a bit of a thing a bit of a, a bit of a concern um yeah and it, it just it's just it's just beyond me because he's a great offensive mind. And I think Carl Shanahan had this early as well. It was a time in Atlanta where they, you know, they lost the Super Bowl because they just couldn't do offense in the second half. In the um, the second half, I think they just they just outthink it. You know, he completely abandons the run game early, and it's come back to bite Miami a couple of times um, in the last couple of years because they're just they're not physical enough. Um, you know, and I'm a I'm a huge fan of Tua, not only as a human being because I think he's an awesome human being, and a lot of people. You know, are quite mean to him but also as a quarterback his accuracy really is a superpower it's unlike anyone else's in the NFL but I'm not sure you can pay him the 45 million dollar contract these other QBs are getting yet because he's yet to go out and win a game and show me you you know I, I he doesn't elevate and he just plays to a standard level I think he's a bit better than Brock Purdy but I wouldn't pay Brock Purdy 50 million dollars a year and that's that's where it's how do you feel about it well, I think that the first thing that you that everybody sort of needs to realize is that like um, this isn't a when it comes to the NFL, it, it's a market that, that increases every single year because the cap increases mm. every single year. So when you say so when people say he's the most, uh, you know, paid the most, uh, you know, quarterback in the NFL, objectively speaking, of course, that is true. However, it's all a timing issue. And it is all to do with when they sign their contracts. You know, it's almost like a percentage. Does that make sense? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, how much of a percentage of a cap do they fill up? And that is probably, you know, a better way of looking at it almost. So, you know, for Tua, he will sign a big contract. I don't, I don't, I, you know, if I'm a Miami Dolphins fan, I can understand frustration. And, you know, you mentioned that just very quickly. You mentioned that Tua bomb in the game. Well, it was, but it was underthrown. Yeah, Tua Mm. uh, uh, and uh, Tyreek Hill had to come back for it. So, you know, just just quickly on like two and, and, and the contract and, and long term, I think that Miami would be silly to not consider their options granted. But I think they would be silly to to move on from a player who obviously is a high caliber player. You know, I think that somebody, you know, after the Dallas game that, you know, we'll talk about. But after the Dallas game, I saw lots of people say, Dak out, Dak out. It's like, well, no, wait a second. What are you going to do? You know, granted, yes, he hasn't won the playoffs that you want him to to win, playoff games that you want him to win. But what are you going to do? Because there is a, a high likelihood that the next quarterback you get in is not going to be as good and will not work in, in that offense as, as well. And as you say, Tua works until November. Look, they've been unlucky, Miami, with injuries. I know that, like, everybody needs to deal with injuries. Teams need to deal with injuries. They have been unlucky, especially over the last literally two, three, four weeks, right? And the other way that they've been unlucky as well, but granted this shouldn't have to take any consideration into it again, really, is, uh, I mean, that that day was cold. That was a cold game. Now, granted, mm. no, you know, that team 
uh, the Kansas City team, they're not from Kansas City. They didn't grow up in Kansas City. You know, it's not as if they are, con- they, they are regularly playing in uh, temperatures that cold. You know, it's not as if these people in Miami regularly play, uh, grew up in Miami, you know, with, 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 with okay temperatures. They should be able to deal with it. But the, that, in that particular game, Tua was visibly affected by the weather. You could just see him, the way that he, the way that he moved, the way that he, uh, the way that he threw the ball. I mean, there's one, there was one pass uh, that was behind the line, line of scrimmage and it was just like the longest build-up I've ever seen someone mm. to throw the ball and he missed it, you know. You could it's see that he well, was affected. Yeah, he's, well, he's only known one weather. You know, he's, he's Polynesian. From Hawaii, he's from, went to he's Miami, from Hawaii, went to Alabama. Went to Alabama, know, warm yeah. environment. Yes, he's only yeah. ever played in the warm. And I saw um I saw Daniel Jeremiah talking about this uh, yesterday and he was saying that uh, they're the same thing with Drew Brees and Peyton Manning. They both have... Uh, you know, losing records on the road in the playoffs because those two teams, Indianapolis and New Orleans, were you know dome teams. They were built to be, uh, to win in that dome. That when you take them away from it, they weren't the same team. And and I think that's that's what you got with Miami as well, where, and Dallas to an extent as well. Once you're you know in Miami, they are quite literally almost unbeatable. They you know if they they hadn't lost to the Titans uh, on that Monday night game where Vic Fangio's defense just disappeared for some reason they'd um well they would have won the division and they, and they would be they'd have a home playoff game um and that probably didn't end up probably costing the season but in miami they are brilliant but because they're such a warm weather team they're obviously one of the warmest environments where you especially in training camp where you're in training camp you spend the whole time in the heat and you invest and everything then you play in kansas city or buffalo in december then it 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 really is you know and the um it really is something um that is sort of you can't you can't change it, but there are ways, and the way to do it is you win in the regular season and make sure you have that yeah. home playoff game as yeah. Indianapolis did and as New Orleans did. Yeah, and I think that for for Tua, it will be obviously you know bitterly disappointing, but I, I don't think that Miami should consider moving on from him um, as it stands. I know it's 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 a slightly awkward time purely because obviously, as you say, it's it's his last year on this contract. If it was two more years, and you could which is probably what they thought last year. You know, we can just see how we feel in the season. Mm. But I don't think that you're going to get a um, an, a quarterback that um, works as well in that, that definitely works as well in that offense as you are to a, it's all a gamble. You know, it's all a gamble getting somebody else. You can, you can pay somebody else for, you know, to, to work in that offense, but you have to be very sure about them. You could draft somebody else, but that's a crapshoot to an extent, you know? So for me, they had such a con- mostly consistent year, an exciting year. I don't know why they'd consider moving on. Well, that's the thing as well with the Niners. They have had different misses at quarterback. You know, they brought Trey, Trey Lance, for example. He's mm-hmm. now on the Dallas Cowboys as a backup. They spent a third overall pick on him, but he did not fit the system they thought he would. How he, they thought he would do, and you know, they you know, they, luckily they got, had such a good draft. Um, you know, a couple of years before that, that they didn't really need to. Uh, you know, they could dispose of a third overall pick. But imagine how good the Niners would be now if Trey Lance did pan out. And, that, and that, that's the, that's well, the thing. They could do much better than... I mean, again, I'm a Brock Purdy fan, but you can't you can't argue that in the last season that he hasn't played, he's performed as well as, as uh, the 49ers would have wanted him to perform. And let's be honest, that's a lucky draft pick. You know, mm-hmm. people would like to say, well, the 49ers had the foresight. It's like, well, no, they had the last pick in the whole draft. <laughs> that's what happened, you know. And they, they, they went with, yeah, we might as well just, you know, throw it out to this guy but you know it's it's again it's 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 this whole chat about system quarterbacks you know 
as if they are as if it's a bad thing. I don't care if my quarterback system quarterback. I don't care if Tua only works in this offense and it's successful. I don't care if Brock Purdy only works in this offense and it's successful. Because then ideally, in 10 years' time, the head coach is still going to be there and your quarterback is going to be there and you're going to be running an offense that is the same or very similar anyway. So because it's successful. So at the end of the day, you just need to, if you're having success or you feel like you're nearly there to having success, I don't think it would be a good idea to, to move on from uh, your quarterback you know granted I'm not an NFL coach or anything it just seems like common sense to me and that's how I feel that there's multiple so Miami is a good example and Dallas I think is a a good example of that as well exactly right we'll uh, finish with Kansas City because we've not talked about them and they are really really good um their their defense was excellent it's been excellent all year uh, and it was the last time they met in Frankfurt Uh, they and the Chiefs are always good on defense in the playoffs but they They've had a top five NFL defense in the regular season, and that's won them games. And while the Chiefs' offense hasn't been rolling, you know their defense, you know it has, and it's it's helped them get to you know an, another sixth straight AFC West title, and it's been the best it's ever been with Andy Reid head coach. You know if they can play that well on offense again, you know the Chiefs are going to be a problem, aren't they? And they always are. Uh, well, I, I think that, you know, with all due respect, like to the Kansas City, oh, and it's not with all due respect, it's a compliment, really, is is that um, there, this wasn't a surprise. You know, the Miami Dolphins might have been a better offense in, in general. The, the Chiefs defense has absolutely uh, come into its own when it's needed to, really, because the, the, uh, the offense hasn't. But it is all about um, uh, history. You know, it is all about not even history necessarily, but it's all about what you've proven. And for a lot of teams, that's what I've proven in the current season. But for very, very, very few teams, and the Chiefs are one of these, they can point to look at what we've done in the postseason for the last several years, which means that you have this confidence in them, don't you? You know, so you go into, there's lots of factors that meant that the Chiefs might have been favourites in this game or people would have looked at them, such as injuries for Dolphins, such as, you know, the weather, blah, blah, blah. But in terms of like their whole team, in terms of their offence, they have not been at the races for this whole season. But it goes into the postseason and it's a completely different kettle of fish. They know how to win. They are used to winning. They expect to win, which means that whoever plays them throughout the postseason in whatever year it is, Patrick Mahomes is used to winning in the postseason. So therefore, I think that there's a level of expectation that might be there, but the confidence um, supersedes it. Yeah, and we'll see how they look in Mahomes' first ever away playoff game. Yeah, this, next that, week. That, you know, this is the, that's the one that I think is really going to be like, maybe, you know, we'll see whether or not I'm talking rubbish because, as you say, it is a bit of a different kettle of fish, you know, and they're going to, to Buffalo where they've got this sort of, you know, postseason rivalry almost mm-hmm. as well. And not even just that, that they are going to be, Buffalo are going to be so motivated to win, not only because of where, you know, they are motivated to win a Super Bowl, but they're motivated to beat the Chiefs in the postseason as well. Exactly. So uh, it, it feels mad that he's been a starting quarterback for five years and he's never played in the way playoff game. <laughs> but um, it just shows how good the Chiefs have been and uh, they, they will continue to be after this season. Maybe they they, get, they win another Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised at this point. So, um, yeah, it's, I, honestly, it it's uh, it's history. It's in their DNA. And well, speaking of DNA, we're going to the Cowboys' DNA because... <sighs> History repeated itself again. The Cowboys lost in the first round of the playoffs 
again. Uh, Jordan Love and Aaron Jones starred as the Packers won 48-32. Uh, Love threw for 272 yards and three touchdowns on just 16 completions, uh, whilst Jones added three further rushing touchdowns on his way to a 118-yard day. And as I mentioned on Thursday night's preview, I had a feeling that the Packers were a sneaky bad match with Dallas of defence. And I was right. I picked the Cowboys to win, and I regret doing it now, but I just had a feeling. Um, they exploited the middle of the field, which is something I talked about them being vulnerable at after the Niners and the Dolphins, who, again, same offence as, as uh, Matt LaFleur. It's that same offence. They did the same thing uh, in the middle of that offence, and uh, they ran the ball uh, down, the, down Dallas's throat as the Bills did. So we've seen in those in those games that the Cowboys are vulnerable and they well they they were vulnerable in the end um and and that's even more impressive because the Packers have really struggled to run the football this year uh, a lot of it was due to Aaron Jones being injured for a lot of the season uh, but he's been healthy the second half of the year which has helped open the passing game up and in the second half of the year Jordan Love has absolutely flourished uh before we talk about that and in 45 years of potentially Hall of, Hall of Fame quarterback play for the Packers as everyone's saying um yeah let's talk about the Cowboys crumbling again <laughs> what, what were your yeah. thoughts on that Joe um well what I've been saying prior to the uh and it's difficult without being in the in the locker room and knowing it entirely but what I was saying for the for the, like the week before the game is that I I mean I picked the Cowboys to win as well but you know I also said that this was going to be an interesting game because for Dallas Cow for Dallas Cowboys you know the the players who weren't even like you know alive maybe the like the last time that they you know won a Super Bowl you know they they have this they have this expectation more than maybe any other team in the whole of the NFL because and they consistently uh lose in the playoffs when was the last time they even got to an NFC championship it was a long long 98. time ago yeah, they, so they, they won going. the NFC East nine times since they last won a, uh, won or got to the NFC Championship game. Yeah, nine NFC East titles and no, and like basically like three or four playoff wins, which is just it's just mental. it's insane. So they have this not only level of expectation because um, they haven't performed very well for you know for for a long time, but mostly as well because they are they have the most eyes on them and they always have the most eyes on them. So they know that not only are uh, you know Dallas Cowboys fans watching this game. It's different if you're a, if it's the Houston Texans. It's different if it's the Tennessee Titans or anything like that. This is a big team. You know, it's a big market team. They have so many eyes on them. They have so many people knowing that they have that they consistently perform poorly. Whereas the Green Bay Packers, uh, you know, granted they usually they might have that expectation on a usual year, but this year is completely different because they have not only got a, well, he's not a rookie quarterback, but this is his first full season before, you know, playing after two legendary quarterbacks after the last couple of decades, you know? So it's, it is low expectations. Not only that, their, uh, their skill players in particular are young. And when I say young, they are like fresh out of the box, you know, performing. And they have been able to perform well, especially towards, you know, maybe the latter half of the season as well. So Jordan Love, the quarterback, he's done very well. So is Dontavian Wicks. Uh, Kraft, the, the, um, well, they've, got two, they've got two young tight ends, haven't they? They've got two young tight ends as well. Yeah, Tucker Kraft and Luke Musgrave. Yeah, both, exactly. Uh, second and third round picks. Yeah, so. exactly. And, they're, and they've both been key contributors as well. Um, uh, as well as Reed, as well. So all there's all of these players that people might not have, they might not have even expected to be, you know, key contributors so quickly, but they have been able to get into the playoffs with them, and so it's almost like they're playing with house money. You know, 
it's like let's just see what we can do the pressure is off we're in dallas who have all of the pressure and it and you know like it, it it sort of feels like it could be me saying that and it could be absolute rubbish when they when you know and the when the uh, Dallas Cowboys come out and they perform incredibly or anything like that but honestly you watch that game and it reeks of what i was saying it reeks of the Dallas Cowboys feeling the pressure immediately they go down quickly to the green bay packers who are very efficient they are being extremely efficient when it comes to to the ball jordan love with incredible throws they are automatically feeling like we need to get ahead of this game and very quickly it unravels for Dak Prescott in particular. Um, and now it just is another season of disappointment, another off-season of regret, another off-season of we performed so well in the regular season, why aren't we doing it in the postseason? Another off-season of do we change things up? Goes back to almost what I was saying about Tua really as well. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, we did well in the, the regular season, but do we need to change things things up because we're not performing in the postseason as well? So from a Dallas perspective, it is just, um, you know, very disappointing. I'm going to put this on, I'll put you on the spot here. What would you do to fix Dallas Cowboys? <laughs> Again, it's difficult to know without being in the uh, the locker room. I think a lot, a lot of it, to be honest, I think has to do with how the players are feeling. And I think that that's a... Um, that it goes is a wide statement to make, but it does work with a lot of NFL teams because if the players are feeling like their head coach uh, can't bring them to where they want to be, that is an incredibly important thing. And, and that, and that we'll, I'll bring that up again when we talk about another team later on as well. You know, so for Mike McCarthy, um, it's difficult for me to say they should get rid of him, if I'm honest, because they have. They've done so well in the regular season for multiple years, but for multiple years, they have gone out early in the playoffs. Does hiring a new head coach fix that? I It is so difficult to know, but but I suppose the argument is um, they they know what's happened now the last three seasons with, with Mike McCarthy. They know what the outcome has been, so maybe they should look for somewhere different, uh, someone different, but... Um, but, you know, Jerry Jones, he's not getting he's not getting any younger. You know, he he desperately wants that that next Super Bowl. So I wouldn't be surprised to see if they be surprised if they make a um if they make a move because he's thinking, you know, we just need to pull out all the all the stops, even if it's uh, you know changing something like that drastically. And uh, a Bill Belichick would make sense in that in because as a Jerry Jones move, it's a splash move. Yeah, uh, he did it. He did it with Bill Parcells before with the Cowboys, mm. who's Belichick's mentor. So you can have a look. You know, there is familiarity there. It, I mean, it feels weird. Obviously, coaching the Patriots and then go to the Dallas Cowboys is probably the two biggest brands yeah. in sport. You could, you could, you know, but certainly in the last 30, 40 years that you could coach for but um yeah i mean if belichick's going to go out like that's a that's some way to go out isn't it i mean yeah i i have i'd be slightly tentative if i was bill belichick because you know you're used to being the the, the to running the operation exactly and you know this and it's not even working with a, a, a general manager in the normal sense you know because he go was a general manager in new england like he picked yeah he was the general manager as well as the head coach for for the large extent when he especially you know the the, the large latter part of his um tenure there in new england but you know if he was going to go into a another franchise he'd be working with a, a general manager right generally almost certainly he'd be working with a general manager um and he would probably he'd expect that now but he wouldn't necessarily expect to be going into a franchise where their owner is their general manager mm -hmm. um which makes things very difficult 
uh, if you disagree with anything. And Jerry Jones is a vocal man. He uh, he 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 does what he wants to do as is his right because he is the owner, I suppose. Um, but if that dis- if Bill Belichick disagrees with that, this could be you, it could be a splash. Don't get me wrong, but it could also be an incredibly short stint as head coach as Dallas Cowboys, uh, um, you know, uh, head coach. If if uh, if if all went wrong, you know. And is he the answer? Is he the person that is going to inspire the Dallas Cowboys? You know, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. I think mm-hmm. that it'd be there's there's a couple other franchises which might make more sense. But you know, in terms of like high profile job, you can't get any bigger. No, exactly. And uh, I, I think I'm torn as well because with McCarthy, it's the best that Prescott's ever looked this year. In the regular season, he was probably second or third best quarterback behind Lamar Jackson, and second half of the year potentially Josh Allen, and that's it. He is absolutely excellent. If you look at all his numbers, he's he was up there. He led the league in touchdown passes, everything. Um, and that, that's coming off a year where Dak threw the most interceptions in the NFL last year. So he's gone from you know extreme low to extreme high. And that that's coming McCarthy's you know year where he called the offense this year because before it was Kellen Moore. So if you're looking at that, you're saying, oh my god, they've they've improved a lot on offense. But it's it's because the same thing happened again. Then it's just like, oh okay. So it it's going to be a very interesting scenario to watch over the next couple of days, and we'll we'll update you a bit on Friday um, when we preview the uh, the divisional round. Uh, but we'll we'll go to the Packers just quickly. Before, uh, Jordan Love, wow, because he first half of the year he did not look that impressive. But the second half of the year is the most remarkable rise I've ever seen. <laughs> going from, go, going from you know missing so many throws, accuracy looking really poor to you know no turnovers at all and multiple touchdown passes and just looking so composed in the pocket. It's just uh, the Packers. I mean, they're a young team, um, and he's doing it with guys that Aaron Rodgers probably would not have he would would have refused to pass to because yeah. he didn't like young unproven guys. Um, and that decision looking great for the Packers now, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's looking great for the Packers. And I think that, you know, for Matt LaFleur as well, the head coach of uh, Green Bay, he's able to now, um, not, not that he didn't have his own team before, but he's able to take ownership over the team, whereas Aaron Rodgers um, would definitely have had a lot of sway in the Packers organization uh, before that. Uh, less so than he has in the Jets organization, I think it's fair <laughs> to say. But, you know, but still, you know, for Jordan Love as well, it's the, and I think that these days, two things really quickly on Jordan Love. First of all, is that uh, a lot of the time these days, if you draft somebody in the first round, uh, people expect you to um, play them quickly. And now that's usually because you don't have a good quarterback situation. Mm -hmm. Green Bay Packers, with their last two quarterbacks, have, uh, with Aaron Rodgers, when when they had Brett Favre, and uh, with Jordan Love, when they had Aaron Rodgers, they have thought ahead and thought, right, we'll draft this guy um, uh, and then obviously Aaron Rodgers did two MVP seasons, so it actually kind of worked out quite well for them to an extent because then they could sit him, not have any pressure to play him whatsoever, uh, and then put him on the field when they felt like he was ready. That is almost an anomaly now uh, in the NFL. You don't really see that at all. Even with um, Patrick Mahomes, he he was uh, sat for one season, you know, mm-hmm. not for the... How many seasons it was? Three seasons? Was it? Four. I think it was three, three seasons. Yeah, four. Yeah, so, yeah, so, so three. Yeah, three. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so three seasons he sat. So, you know, it is a. Not only um, is that an anomaly, um, but then we also need to um, think about, and this is a very obvious thing to say. However, I don't think a lot of fans think about it this way. You cannot judge a court. You can't judge a quarterback really on one 
if we're speaking honestly, on one full season, let alone half a season, right? Because mm-hmm. for one, you know, the example that you always get, and actually is one that you should think about, you know, is uh, Peyton Manning in his first season compared to Peyton Manning after his first season, you know? Josh so Allen I, now I, as well. Exactly. Josh, Josh Allen completely years, different. Yeah. Got yeah. Stefan Diggs and he's now, you know, we'll talk about it in a minute. He's one of the best in the league. So, so exactly. Same, you have Jordan Love. New so, example. So for Jordan Love, I also, I he's he's played great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's the next Messiah for the Green Bay Packers, though. I'm not going to do that because you just don't know yet because it's not been long enough. That said, what is really encouraging is that he's performing at a high standard with players that he is likely going to be playing with for quite a long time now because they are, as I said before, they're very young. They have come in. They are they, they have got a good relationship, obviously, on the field at the very least. So who's to say that they can't continue that, you know? So... If I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, I'm feeling extremely positive, not only about potential potentially in the playoffs this year, I'm feeling positive about Jordan Love, but don't call him your, the next superstar quarterback because you don't want to be feeling slightly awkward in a few, you know, in a few <laughs> weeks into the second season if he's not that. Um, I, I, just, I just feel like I've just had so much of that and I kind of think you just need to be, you, you need to be sure, you need to be sure before you call somebody that, you know. Yeah, no, that's, that's totally understandable. And we'll go from one NFC North team to another. Uh, and, well, Detroit, they ended their 30-year wait to win a playoff game with a win over the Rams and their former quarterback, their former number one overall pick, Matthew Stafford. This wasn't quite the shootout we expected it to be beforehand. It wasn't the first half, but it was a very nervy, low-scoring second half. That's why the Lions' defence hold on at the end to delight a home mm. crowd that has waited a very, very long time for a playoff win. What a moment, wasn't it? An incredible moment. And you know what? Like, if you're a neutral, you should really want the Detroit Lions to win the whole thing, to be honest with you, because they are a franchise, they're a city that has not felt success, like, full stop, really. You know, they are they are a, a team that have, over the last few years, uh, grown mostly through the draft, through a the, through the Matt Stafford trade, which obviously worked incredibly well for the, the, the Los Angeles Rams winning a Super Bowl, but has worked for the Detroit Lions as well gaining those draft picks, gaining Jared Goff, who people thought was, you know, was a bit of an afterthought, really. And you're going to have to play him for a bit, but then you'll draft someone else and you'll get rid of him and blah, blah, blah. But no, he's performed really well. And I just think that for this, it's an emotional thing, you know, as much as, you know, credit to them on the on the field. They managed to get Sam Laporta out as well, which is a little bit of a surprise. Mm-hmm. You know, he's scoring in that game, looked like he was going to be injured. But, you know, this is just a monumental point in uh, the Lions franchise history. Uh, and then, therefore, the city's history as well, really, because that's how important you know these teams are to these cities. So, for 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 the Detroit Lions to to beat the LA Rams throughout the whole season, they have been the better team. I actually thought the Rams might do this, to be honest with you. I thought the Rams could win away in Detroit, but objectively speaking, like you know, credit to Detroit because this is a this is just a great moment. This is just a great moment. And even for Jared Goff, Jared Goff played in a Super Bowl with the LA Rams. This might be his career highlight. Exactly. And they now hand the streak of the longest playoff drought without a win to the Dolphins, who are the only <laughs> team uh, this millennium not to win a playoff game. So now you know, that's mental. Yeah, everyone is, else in the last 24 years crazy. has won a playoff game but the Dolphins. Yeah. Um, Credit to their running yeah. back, by the way, really quickly as well, because mm-hmm. they have been so good this season. I was one that was thinking, you know, they got David Montgomery in and 
you know, and I was like, why are they getting David Montgomery when they had uh, Swift and they had Jamal Williams who performed, you know, uh, you know, quite well, you'd say quite a good tandem, I suppose. You know, you always thought that Swift could maybe do a little bit better. But, you know, the fact that they've got Montgomery, they drafted Gibbs and they performed very well, each getting a touchdown, by the way, in this game, um, you know, credits credit to to their choices there. But at the time, I felt slightly questionable, but they've they've paid dividends. Yeah, and, and Ben Johnson as well, the offensive coordinator. Cool, he'll he get a head like coaching he, job. Yeah, I can't see how say. he doesn't, yeah. Yeah, he, he's going to get a head coaching job. And he's he's probably got his pick as well. He's going to be probably the most in demand, other than John Harbaugh, Mike Vrabel, Belichick, for example. He's probably the top assistant candidate. So, yeah. you know, he, he's probably going to get a very good job with a quarterback that he can actually choose, whether it's in a draft or a, a veteran quarterback mm-hmm. that's played well. He's going to have uh, he's gonna have his, uh, his, his fair... Uh, share of of offers and it's just about picking the best one for him um yeah i mean and that's the thing with detroit as well because their offense is just so balanced and they run the ball so well as you said jay uh that golf wasn't asked to do much but when he was asked to do much in this you know stuff in this game he he delivered and you know he he wasn't asked to throw the ball downfield he only had a five yards average depth of target in this game but when he was asked to step up he did and it's good for him because he's you know we saw it in the super bowl He's struggled in big moments. So as you mentioned, probably the best game of his career. You know, for that it was because it, it defined. You know, he won a game in a big moment against his old team as mm. well. You know, that, that's that's a huge, huge uh, step for Jared Goff. And you know, even if he's not the, I mean, he's a perfect placeholder if they were to get a young quarterback. Maybe Hendon Hooker, who they drafted in the second round last year. Um, but again, he is not exactly much younger than <laughs> than uh, than Goff. He got drafted at twenty five years old. So, so but um. Yeah, they, they have so much flexibility of what they're going to do now because they've drafted so well, because they've built such a culture, a team. And, um, and I mean, and their defence has been the one thing that's let them down all year. It, it you know, why me coming into this one? I put the Rams too um, because they've struggled to stop the pass. They've been really bad in the back end. Uh, and while that was the case again, Stafford had 367 yards uh, and two touchdowns and all of them was to Puka Nikua mm-hmm. who went for 181 yards. Yards-wise, that's not, number, that's not the best number. But they made up for it by stopping the Rams in the red zone three times on three visits, and that's what what the Lions' defense won in this game, and that's so good for them going into you know going into the playoffs from now often now because their offense we know what their offense is. If their defense can stop a offense like the Rams in the red zone, that, that they could be scary, couldn't they? Absolutely, and I mean like you know you just look at their personnel, and I know what you're saying about and about the defense there, but personnel wise, they have got their lines you, great. The defense yeah, both exactly, line yeah. play brilliant. Yeah, and they've got a good basis for the the future as well. Not that we should be looking at the future right now. As I said earlier, we should be looking at you know you know the the next you know couple of weeks or so. But the Detroit Lions are going to be facing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I know you're going to do a preview in a few days' time. But you know, you know, you, we both said that the LA Rams had a chance against the uh, against the Detroit Lions, but now the Lions are at home again, mm-hmm. and they're facing a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that, granted, you know, and we'll talk about it, they beat the Philadelphia Eagles. But the Lions are going to be favourites in this. And I'm going to take the Lions again in this. And then suddenly the Detroit Lions are in the NFC Championship. Probably not at home, you would you would no. assume. But uh, Green probably... could do it. You never know. Imagine never a Packers-Lions Championship game. That would be awesome. That would be something. <laughs> that would be something. But, you know, I think that this 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 is going to be a um, a big season for, for Detroit, no matter what. Oh, I'm just my headphones. Just um, a big season <laughs> for Detroit, no matter what. Um but you know, it's a possibility to be a very, very special season. Oh, absolutely! And we'll uh, we'll talk about the Rams quickly before we get on to the games from last night. Um, it's a shame to see them see them out because they've been such a good team to watch yeah. this year. 
but they'll be back next year. I'm certain of it because their roster was so decimated after the Super Bowl win. They, you know, going into this year, they had a load of, you know, late draft picks, a load of undrafted guys, and Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, and Aaron Donald, and they have built a roster now out of those guys, and they, they, you know, they've had some excellent draft picks the last two years without having, you know, a first round pick, and they struck gold on the likes of Puka Nakua, Kyron Williams, and a few guys on the defense and offensive line as well. That they've got a first uh, run pick for the first time since mm. about 2016, um, <laughs> this year, and they've got so much cap room as well. This Rams team, from what we saw this year, they're going to be in a Super Bowl window again soon because they've got a great coach in Sean McVay, and he's again, he's a coach of the year uh, type season, hasn't he? Yeah, uh, for sure. And this time last year, as you say, we were thinking, what are the LA Rams going to be like, you know, next season? It looked like Sean McVay was going to walk away at one point before he mm-hmm. recommitted. Uh, to to be in the, the Rams head coach, their draft was quietly spectacular. You know, it's not as if they had multiple first round picks, as you said. It's it's to do with those those picks that just somehow came off. Puka Nakua uh, is an offensive rookie of the year candidate. I don't think he'll win it because of C.J. Stroud, but you know, close closely, you know, number two. So him he alongside records, though. he broke records, yeah. and that's that's in exactly for a yeah. fifth round pick is mental that he yeah. managed to get the receiving yards and the receptions record as well. The Cooper Cup, obviously, if he continues getting a bit older, I think now Cooper Cup really. But you know, in theory, Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, you know, great receiving options for for next year alongside Kyron Williams, who um, uh, again was a lower round draft pick, and they've managed to uh, you know strike gold. And their rushing game for, throughout really uh, the the, uh, the the tenure of Sean McVay has been um, they've never had the guy. They've always tried to find the guy. They've never found him. They've always, they've all, you know, they thought, you know, they, they they think it's this one guy and they always come back to, I can't even remember what his name is now, but they, they Todd he Gurley. Was, no, not even one. Todd Gurley. Well, they had Todd Gurley, obviously, at one point, but the, um, the Cam Akers they had, they had Daryl Henderson. Like had Dar- so they always went back to Daryl Henderson, exactly. That's mm. who I couldn't think of his name. It was like, right, we've got this guy. So like, oh, he's not performing. We're just, we're going to have to put Daryl Henderson back in because that's how it felt. And now they feel like they've got the guy. So it's almost like they can just, not slightly breathe easy when it comes to the rushing game, but they don't necessarily need to concentrate on finding somebody in the draft as much as they do with other other teams. The only thing I'd say is look, Matt Staff Matthew Stafford had a great season when he was on the field. Can he continue that? Can he be uh, injury free? Um, if so, then yeah, next season I I honestly think it's going to be an exciting year for them. Absolutely right. We'll go over to Monday now. It felt weird having two playoff games on a Monday. It was that, the whole. <laughs> The whole thing there was just odd. But um, yeah. yeah, after the game was initially postponed, it was meant to be on Sunday afternoon, uh, American time, Sunday night, our time. Um, after after a huge amount of snowfall in the Buffalo, New York area, uh, it left locals and visitors c- coming from Pittsburgh unable to travel around, let alone get to the stadium. So it was moved uh, back at about, what was it, 28 hours, 26, 28 hours, basically, um, to the next day. Uh and the Bills moved into the divisional round after the game was moved with a 31-17 win over the visiting Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, again, it was moved to Monday afternoon, which is which is doable due to it being a bank holiday in America yesterday. It was, it was Martin Luther King Day. So uh, normally that you know, 
for four thirty on a Monday is a weird time because everyone's at work. No one's going to go to the playoff game. But because it was uh, Martin Luther King Day, they were allowed to do a you know bank holiday NFL game, um, which normally an NBA day. So I'm sure the NBA were very very angry at the NFL got a playoff <laughs> game on the, on one, you know one of their biggest rating days of the year after already stealing Christmas Day and Christmas you know, Christmas Eve and everything. So yeah, I'm sure the NBA absolutely love that. Um, but anyway, despite the stadium being completely filled with snow, meaning that visitors could choose where they like to sit, which is the first time that NFL games ever been able to do that. I know it was so weird. The snow was just everywhere, so it was you know the, the fans were snow uh, throwing snowballs onto the field and everything. And you can especially see that in the in the end zone. Um, but you know it it wasn't as uh, entertaining as some others some others this weekend because again it was cold weather game uh, and two teams that are you know built on a defense and you know for the middle was Josh Allen. But um, it was a lot closer than we imagined it to be, and that was bec- and that's you know even more impressive because the Steelers were without TJ Watt, who was obviously uh, one of the favourites of defensive player of the year. He, had, he led the league in sacks as well. He's an absolute superstar. But it was a one-score game in the fourth quarter, which we just weren't expecting whatsoever. And the defence ended up being the two first-half turnovers from Pittsburgh, one being a George Pickens fumble, the other being a Mason Rudolph interception to Kaya Elam, who, uh, at a corner, he most people thought was a bust coming into the uh, this year with the Bills. He, uh, he made it more... Well, probably the game-winning play for them at the start of the game and intercepting Rudolph in the end zone um, are because Buffalo were out to a three-score lead, uh, but the Steelers made the game competitive after blocking the field goal and the, game, the momentum just swung Pittsburgh's way completely after that. It could have been 28 uh, points if if uh, the touchdown that Eric Rowe broke up went went in. Instead, it was a field goal that was blocked and yeah, the Steelers made it a one-score game after the half. Uh, but any hope for an upset was ended by Josh Allen, who found Khalil Shakir for a 17-yard touchdown, with Shakir literally spinning out of a Minka Fitzpatrick yeah. tackle <laughs> and, and breaking another tackle to get into the end zone. Um, and yeah, and, and that, that was the touchdown that secured the win for the Buffalo Bills. That play was brilliant. And I mean, as well, Josh Allen ended up being the difference in this one because on song, he might be the most unstoppable QB in the NFL. And we saw that on his 52-yard rushing touchdown, didn't we? Yeah, well, absolutely. And it's funny, actually, if you rewatch that again, it's Josh Allen whilst he's, you know, he's running with the ball and he's almost like, oh, are you just going to let me carry on? Like it was it was a bit of a strange situation almost because he sort of shakes off one tackler, if I remember correctly, and he sees a hole and he's just like, all right, well, I'll just go for it. then if I'm just going to I'm going to carry on running. Um, I think that the Steelers had a that was a suspect defensive play, I think, from the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, but obviously great talent to uh to be able to see that and to be able to execute it as well for, for Josh Allen. I think this was a really great performance from Josh Allen, really shows what he can do. And, in, you know, in a big situation as well, you know, um, the weather actually, you know, from on the field didn't look as much of an issue as I thought it might be. Obviously, in the stands, it was, you know, mm. snowy. But, you know, on the field, it looked OK. So credit to everybody for, for sorting that out. I think they brought a lot of fans in to help. Yeah, with, help they, with were, that. they were shoveling at 2 a.m. Yeah, uh, so there's exactly. videos of fans in the stadium coming in to do it. And Madness. yeah, I mean, is in in football they just wouldn't play games in that condition whatsoever would they so you know in the UK so it's yeah. just a just yeah just some some absolutely incredible effort from from grounds team and stuff like that but, you know this game i thought was going to be uh this game uh, i thought could be more even than it it was uh, uh, initially because purely because of the weather but when i saw mm-hmm. that oh, okay actually this looks like they can play a bit more normal than I, I think I thought they might have been able to. Then I did think the Buffalo Bills were were going to win and it looked like as you say it was just going to be an absolute you know rout at first um there was a, a weird call where the Bills should have had a um, the Bills should have had a, a turnover. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember yeah. who exactly picked it up now, but and who, who I think it was was it George Pickens that he fumbled it and it was recovered by no, the so Bills. 
uh, Pickens fumbled, and then the other one was Pat Frymuth. He fumbled it, but because it came off his helmet when it was out of bounds, it didn't count as a fumble. So that the Steelers uh, continued with the ball. But the, yeah, yeah. the, the Bills the Bill should have had that that turnover completely. And the 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 CBS analyst said that 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 was a weird call from referees and everything as well. So yeah. I mean, the the refs helped the Steelers really. <laughs> but they they helped bit. them, but you know, I, I mean, you could initially you saw that um, you know Josh Allen he relied on his. Uh, you know, they've got two good tight end options now, especially in the end mm. zone. Dalton Kincaid with a touchdown. Dawson Knox with a touchdown as well. And the two plays of the, the whole day, as I say, the Steelers got back into it and it did feel like, okay, are they actually, are they going to be, you know, one score away? But you always felt, even if they do manage to even, even things up, the Bills are going to still, you know, win this because they were performing so well offensively uh, on the most part. And Josh Allen, that long run, that touchdown from him, that was a great play. And the other one, the uh, the the Khalil Shakir uh, run, where he again, again, another example. So there's two there's two incidents uh, incidents now where I said like that I think there's some suspect tackling in the Josh Allen run, um, and I, the Khalil Shakir touchdown shouldn't have been a touchdown because he should have been brought down before that, but he was able to shake off the the, the defender essentially, you know, turn on his heels. And then not only that, but a nice little juke when he's about four yards away from the end zone in order to shake off another defender before he goes in. So two amazing plays there. Again, I do think it's suspect from the Steelers, but at the end of the day, this is what, you know, it's this, it's this talent. It's just this, um, you know, excitement from the Bills, which makers want to, to watch them. And it's, it's made them be so consistent over the last few weeks because obviously they haven't been for the over the last mm. like 12 games the first 12 games of the, the season but since then it's been win 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 and who says that they can get the win against the Chiefs next uh, next week exactly uh, and that's what you need in the AFC um you know, you need great offense because if you look at who's left you've got Lamar Jackson Patrick Mahomes Josh Allen CJ Stroud yeah that's four of the best quarterbacks in the entire league and they're all in one conference in the divisional round um and it's what the Steelers are missing you know they need us. They, that's they've been missing that for so long. You know, or even a good callback to be honest with you, because you know we know that Kenny Pickett because uh, Mike Tomlin opted to go for Mason Rudolph instead of him, even though Pickett's healthy, isn't the guy they they think he he would be. I thought he would be. So they're going to be looking for a new quarterback in the off season, and it'll be interesting to see what happens to them because you know obviously the team with Mike Tomlin that they're, they're stuck in limbo. They've, they've been so great. They, you know, oh yeah, he's never had a losing season. He's one of the best uh, stats you could ever see, coaching wise. Um, but when asked yesterday about, uh, you know, having one year left on his deal and, um, uh, and you know what we do next year, he just walked off. Now it was the end of the press conference, so and is the last question to make. You know, but it, it, that is a bit weird. Um, obviously, I don't think they're going to get rid of him because he's one of the best coaches of all time. You know, Hall of Fame head coach, absolutely, and again. Without him, they would have been the mess the last couple of years since Big Ben. But they've played great defense, they've played efficient football, and got to the playoffs a lot of times. Never had a losing season after all. But like, you know, if he does stay, I don't know about you, but I can see him going after more of a a veteran quarterback, someone like Kirk Cousins or Russell Wilson, for example. Um, Justin Fields would be cool too. But obviously, I mean, I I, I guess you don't see him leaving for another team. But uh, yeah, the Steelers are going to be an interesting uh, think team to certainly look at this off season, aren't they? Yeah, I think that you're right in regards to um, Kenny Pickett. You know, if they if they thought that he was going to be the future, then you play him in this game or you play him in the last few games when he's healthy and he, he wasn't. So as far as I'm concerned, 
it would be a very strange situation to say that he's still your number one quarterback for, for next season. So I imagine that either he'll stay with the organization and be a backup or uh, they'll stick with Mason Rudolph as a backup and then, you know, maybe try and, and trade Kenny Pickett for, you know, probably a low draft pick or something like that, you know, but, but they're picking uh, 20th in the, in the draft. That isn't going to be high enough to get them a decent, not a decent quarterback because you, a, a highly sought after quarterback, mm. you know, the Jaden Daniels and certainly not the Drake Mays or the, you know, the, the Caleb Williams. And you, you expect that there's going to be a run on, you know, three or four quarterbacks over the, you know, the first 10 picks or something like that. So um, I imagine that you're right. They'd look at free agency. Um, Kirk Cousins, I think is going to be the, a popular choice with quite a few teams, but I, I think he's going to stay with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, the general manager of the Vikings has, has already said that, you know, they'd like him to stay. And I imagine that, he'd be keen on staying there as well for, for maybe another for a two-year deal or something like that. So I don't know what the answer is here, to be honest with you. Um, I think they've got a few, you know, I'm not convinced on George Pickens, you know, either. I, I feel like there needs to be a uh, holistic look at the offense, see what, their, see what their, um, their situation is overall, especially with their skilled players, and see which well, sort of quarterback for they need. Because well, they fired Mark Callan to new yeah, so, so it's, it's all going to depend on that, isn't it? It's all going to pe- depend on, um, you know, uh, it's all going to depend on, you know, who who they decide to get um, as the the offensive coordinator, because then they're going to have their own uh, version and their own, you know, version of events and version of, um, you know, what they want to bring to the team. So. Um, Difficult to say at the moment. I think there's going to be some quarterbacks that might be up for for grabs, you know, to trade for. But if you know, you those, those quarterbacks are going to be ones that are cast offs from other teams. Mm. I think. Yeah, and just before we get into the final game, Jay, I you mentioned it there. Do you think Buffalo could be Super Bowl contenders because they've been the hottest team down the stretch for sure? Yeah, I absolutely do. I, I, I you know, for me, I think an ideal. Um, an ideal Super Bowl is uh, um, the Buffalo Bills, San Francisco 49ers. I think that would be very exciting. Mm. Um, you know, as much as I think the Ravens have, have been great this season, don't get me wrong, but um, they are, the, I think they can beat anybody. And, I, you know, I think they could have beaten anybody in the first 12 weeks of the season. It just, it just so happened at that point as well. They could lose to quite a lot of people as well. So I, I think that they've got a, a good group of, um, they've, got, they've got good you know, talent in that team that seems to be, um, you know, putting it all together at the right point of the season. Absolutely. Uh, I'm moving on to a team that we thought would be Super Bowl bound uh, after just missing out in Arizona in February last year. The Philadelphia Eagles went away and had a productive offseason, you know, replaced most, if not all, their starters. You know, when I was writing in our season preview magazine, I had them going all the way. I had it being an Eagles Chief Super Bowl, repeat Super Bowl. Mm. I said it'd be dodgy at the start, but you know, I thought they'd get used to their two new coordinators and find agreement at the end. If anything, it was the opposite. You know, that 10-1, and one, it was looking much better, much rosier than I thought it would do. Um, but then it then came a difficult run of fixtures where their defence just got absolutely torched. They changed the defence to play cooler and they all came tumbling down. They lost five or six down the stretch, setting them up with an away playoff game in Tampa Bay and that's where the season finished, scoring nine points and a trouncing by the Buccaneers last night. And before we give all the credit to Tampa Bay, I just want to talk about Philadelphia because... We've never seen anything like this before, really. A team that looked absolutely untouchable for two years, the last two years, and they've won nothing. 
and it, it all coincides with that moment of Nick Sirianni uh, celebrating in the tunnel after the win over Kansas City. Uh, it was a bit cocky in, in that in that video, and it just they just went downhill after that. And now everyone and their mum is calling them for him to be fired um, mm. because this team just lacked discipline. And as a head coach, he doesn't call offense or doesn't call defensive plays like he doesn't. You are a leader, and it seems like he's failed at that because this team has just crumbled. Um, that was evident to me last night the amount of missed tackles we saw on defence especially and their inability to deal with what Todd Bowles is throwing at them on the offensive side of the ball just no adjustments whatsoever and they just yeah there was a perfect end to their collapse really it just shows how incredible the story it is what's your whole take on it Jay what do you think I think it goes back to really what I was saying about the Dallas Cowboys as well, is that, um, you know, they're in a situation now after a dreadful loss. I mean, it's worse than the Cowboys to an extent because it's been, you know, such a, an awful uh, last few weeks. That what What is going on in that locker room? What is the feeling in that locker room? And, it's, and as you say, look, I, I think that it would be... If you take a step back, you don't fire Nick Sirianni because he's this, he got you to the Super Bowl last year they were 10 and one. It was a dreadful latter half of the season. You know, you don't fire him. However, that doesn't mean that it's not the right thing to do. If the players, if in the locker room, it feels like it's needed and this hangover is going to continue to, to next season. If the situation is um, that you feel like a freshening up <laughs> that's probably not the best way of putting it maybe it's a nice little euphemism there uh, a freshening up of of the of the head coach makes a difference in the long term then yes that's the right thing to do because it's 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 such a bad situation so you know kind of similar to the cowboys uh, in that in that way and you know the other thing is and i've said this about the jags actually at the end of the, the season as well because they capitulated too didn't get into the playoffs when they absolutely should have been in the playoffs, you know, with the eight and three record that they were at one point is that the, the people that I feel sorry for are Jags fans and yeah, the other mm. Jags team as well, are Jags fans, because they have now got eight months of thinking, why did we not, what a capitulation and how bad was that? How can we get better? Is everybody the right person in, you know, in their right position and blah, blah, blah. So it's like that, but worse because the Philadelphia Eagles were 10 and one, they thought they were going to to be a Super Bowl contender at the very least. And they are out in the first round. And they probably weren't even favourites in this game because mm. of how poorly they had played. And Tampa Bay, I mean, great for them. And we'll speak, speak about Tampa Bay. But they weren't exactly, you know, we're not talking about the 49ers here. You know, I don't know. I, I imagine that Nick Sirianni is probably going to walk away. Um purely because something is up there something oh, is up in, in, so clearly yeah. yeah and also you know like it's not even just that like aj brown uh you know he did that stat i think he's done that standard thing of getting rid of everything eagles related off of his instagram and you, you can read into that but also why would he do it you know so you know it's it's uh it's something is up and you need to either you need to first of all, you need to fix out what uh, fit uh, work out what the uh, toxic part part of the locker room is, and if it is decided that it is a um, a group of players, and I'm not saying it is, but if it is a group of players, you then move on from them, or if it's decided actually the the biggest toxic the biggest I issue is is to do with the um, the co you know coaching staff or one member of the coaching staff or whatever, then yeah, you need to move on because again, 
it's a you need to look at the you know the holistic again the word holistic like the holistic view of the whole locker room and mentally something is up there because it's not it's not you know that you know their tackling was way off but like oh, it has it hasn't the worst it, ever seen that genuinely yeah. but it, you know why happens. would it be why would it be so off when they were 10 and 1 you know before and I just feel like something is up. They need to figure out what it is. They need to figure out what it is quickly. And then they need to do something about it. And whether that is, you know, getting rid of the head coach and it's getting rid of the head coach. See, I, I think for me, that's that's what it is. Because you can see by the lack of adjustments in the second half of all their losses, they, not just, you know, locker room-wise and you know, atmosphere, but also, like, these coaches are not Jonathan Gannon and Shane Steichen. And we're seeing yeah. how good coaches they were because they've... You know, the home run head coaches first year straight away, they've been brilliant. And obviously, they're huge misses for both of them. Um, well, for the Eagles, but huge misses for, for both the offense and the defense. And for me, it just it looks like it's just a poor coaching job. And also, as well, with with, with the the amount of quality, you know, uh, head coaching uh, options there are out there, you could probably get a better head coach than Nick Sirianni, someone like Mike Vrabel, for yeah. example. Who, you know, and that that's something you've got to consider as well, because if they can. It, again, well, because of that roster, it's probably and the fan base and everything, it's probably going to be one of the most, you know, desired after after jobs. Like sort of the jobs, it's going to be, everyone's going to want that job or the Cowboys' job in that you know, if they want to work with Jerry Jones, that you could probably get an upgrade from there as well. So maybe maybe that's a good thing for the Eagles. But um, you yeah, know, maybe... and, you know, and something I didn't mention, and I'm sure that you've spoken about before anyway uh, on the podcast, is you know everything that went on with the Eagles' defensive coordinator Sean Desai, and he's sort of like humiliated. Mm. They bring in Matt Patricia as well. That sort of you know it it, it makes you question the you know um, decision making. Um, you know, uh, well, it's got worse. The defense has got worse since yeah, since exactly Patricia, since Patricia took uh, since Patricia took over. That defense has well literally been like the worst in the NFL. It was thirty first in passing. Uh, this year that is the fact that this Eagles defense which quite frankly almost well it won game it won the NFC championship game for him last year that defense right that defense and going from that to top top uh, five worst units in the NFL in one season and you replaced all your, all your starters at loss and you drafted better players in the interior of that defense that for me just seems so strange and it's just, it's just I just don't understand how it has to be a coaching issue or a locker room issue. Well, something's going to change on the coaching, yeah, on the coaching staff because obviously it's not good enough. Whether that's whether or not uh, you know Nick Sirianni stays or not, something is going to change, uh, and they'll make somebody else a scapegoat essentially. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, and whilst we're at it, let's give Tampa some love because yeah. they were they they were really good in this game, especially Baker Mayfield. He's had an excellent season, really, really revitalised his career since signing that one-year deal with Tampa. Uh, obviously, his fourth team now. Uh, <laughs> be interesting to see if he stays there or not because he's gonna—he's now going to be sought after in free agency. He's, he's going to get a lot of money after how he's played this year. Uh, but he certainly earned himself that money, especially last night, right, for, three, for 337 yards and three touchdowns. He's on his fourth team now after being drafted number one overall by the Browns. And first of all, Joe, I think it's a great story. And second of all, I, I bet the Browns wish they had him now with the way he's been playing this <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think that they, I understand why they sort of moved on at, at, at that point in, in time, but at the, at the same time, and you know, last season, it's not as if, you know, Baker Mayfield had his moments with his brief, you know, stint with the LA Rams, but it mm. wasn't as if he, you know, lit it up completely and he wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't it with the Carolina Panthers at all, was he? But, you know, in the, in this game, he's, you know, I, I think that Tampa is a good team for him anyway, because 
it isn't a uh, it isn't a team that you know he's almost deemed as a, a I mean, this is a horrible thing to say but he's almost deemed as a failure going into the, the joining the Tampa Bay Buccaneers I mean failure is not the right word but he's not that number one draft pick anymore you know there are other guys that have since mm. you know surpassed him as that and he's he's seen as not having a, you know a great period with the Browns and, and these other teams so it's a new team for the Tampa Bay a new a new team for him but it's not a you know a big market team. He's able to put his stamp on it. At the same time, he is coming after Tom Brady. I recognize that. But he's done really well. And uh, he's done well as well with, I mean, great receiving options. He's had great receiving. I mean, the Bucks had great receiving options for, you know, quite a while. He's done well in a poor division. But at the end of the day, they have been the best team in the NFC South. And they did play, uh, as we said, a Philadelphia Eagles team that, you know, didn't have much going for it. This is a game that would do a lot for the Bucks going into next week because they've proven that they can, you know, win a playoff game. And a lot of people didn't think that they might have, you know, been able to win a, a playoff game prior to prior to this week. Um, but credit to Baker Mayfield. I don't think he's going to go anywhere. I imagine he's going to stay with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers no matter what. I don't, I th- he'll, get a, he'll get a decent contract. I don't think he's going to get like a big, no. big money contract. But what um, happens if Mike Evans goes? Because that's Which his I, I weapon. Suspect, if he goes, because yeah. he's a free agent this year as well, then it's a different story. Because he might want to go with Mike Evans, maybe, or you know, it's, it, it, that's a no. I, Mike, if Mike Evans goes, if I'm Mike Evans anyway, I mean, there's two things you can think of: is that he's, Contender. I imagine that he's going to try and get the most money possible, but also really t- Contender. <clears throat> Sorry, I, I for me, I'd be ring chasing. No, I that's, would as well. No, that's what I was going to say. But I mean, he, he's already said that. There was the whole issue with him leaving Tampa is that they wouldn't commit financially, basically. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. so if he he would go for the most money, but he's going to go for a team that he thinks can can make a, a run for a, for a Super Bowl because he's lucky enough to already have one ring. Why not get but get number two <laughs> with a different team, you know? And it could be that somewhere like somewhere like Kansas City is or is going to need receiving options. That'd be know? a great a great fit as well. Yeah. So it could be that he's thinking actually somewhere like that would be great, you know, going with. Um, you know, being with Patrick Mahomes. So I think that the best move for Baker is to continue with the Bucks. Um, but, you know, we'll see what the, we'll see what next week is like against the Detroit Lions, I suppose. Exactly. And finally, we'll finish the podcast on this. After the game, we saw an emotional goodbye from six-time All-Pro centre Jason Kelsey, who has just announced his, uh, his retirement. Firstly, what a player, an ambassador for the mm-hmm. NFL. And secondly, we're really going to miss him, you know, being around, aren't we? Oh well, missing. I don't think he's going anywhere. To be honest with you, like no matter what what happened, his happens, podcast like, is so good yeah, as well. Exactly. To that and... he, he'll be he'll do something. So whatever happens, Jason Kelsey, we is not. We'll probably see more of him. Let's be honest. Like you know, he's got the helmet on most of the time when he's uh, when he's on the field. You know, we're going to see him off. We're going to see him on TV. He'd be good on. He's good. He's good on TV. He's like his brother, really. Less flamboyant maybe than his brother is, but like you know, he's he'll be good on TV if he wanted to be on TV. Uh, he'll continue with the podcast. Um, great player, uh, obviously been a legend for the Philadelphia Eagles. Sad that it had to end uh, with that game with that loss against the, the Bucks and, and you know capitulation really, um, because that is certainly not how he wanted to to end his career. Um, but you know, we will see him next season. I don't know in what capacity, but it, he's 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 too good on screen for him not to be uh, for him not to be somewhere. Yeah, I mean, he just screams like Fox pregame show in the. How many centres get those sorts of gigs? Though, I know, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, credit to him, you know. <laughs> well, it's yeah, he's an offensive lineman that's one. You know, he's been nominated for like sexiest man of the year and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's it's like... Some person is just. <laughs> what what a story? Yeah. No, not at him. all. 
anyway, yeah, thank you for thank you for joining me on the podcast, Jay. It's been great to have you, and uh, yeah, we'll get you on again certainly. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, so right, no trouble at all. Uh, I've been Sam Morse. It's been a full ten yards NFL podcast, and we'll see you on Friday where we will be breaking down each and every divisional round game. I'll see you then. <laughs>